Hey guys, Coach Dennis here with the Endurance Project. <clears throat> Tonight I'm going to talk to you guys about uh, what I think my predictions are for the High Rocks Chicago coming up this weekend. I've had a few people message me and wanted me to, one, make my predictions and two, you know, discuss a bit more about High Rocks, how to train for it, what my thoughts are on it, and DecaFit, which is another basically offshoot of high 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 rocks um being offered up by spartan um the first one competition i think is in march in denver march 21st something like that and you know people wanted to know my views on this so <clears throat> i don't know much about deca yet i mean it's just kind of came out from what i understand from what i see and i mean what they're advertising i mean they've kind of put together pretty quick so Literally within less than a month, they've went from, you know, not even being anything to fully established, several cities planned, and they're in the works now out in Denver putting all the plans together for the first one. So I can't really speak too much on uh, DecaFit right now because I one, it's never happened yet, and two, uh, in terms of training and everything, I think it'll be very similar type training for what people training for high rocks would be doing. So when I speak about what I think would be the best methods to train for high rocks, it's going to obviously cover, you know, DecaFit too, because it's basically one and the same. So first off, we'll kind of go with predictions, I guess, in terms of, you know, what I think coming into this weekend. And... So this is the third event of the High Rock series in the US. It's you know an event that started a couple years ago in Germany and it's to my knowledge right now there's only events in Germany and then the ones in the US happening, you know, the end of 2019 and then this year in 2020. So um I believe they've got three or four more planned coming up this year in various places i think i saw one in canada was planned i want to say one in switzerland and one somewhere else over in europe so they're starting to expand they're starting to get bigger <clears throat> but my predictions with the after the three here in the u.s because obviously you're not going to see i don't think too many German athletes or anything coming over to just fly over for, you know, the events here when they don't need to, when they have several, I, mean, I think they've got like 10 or so in Germany, all around Germany. So there would be no reason for them to come over here. <clears throat> so my predictions would be that for the men, especially, you're not going to see, I don't think anything change in terms of how it's looked the last two events in Miami and New York City. So in, in Miami, you had Hunter who came in and pretty much completely dominated. I believe he beat Isaiah by, and the German guy Lucas by over two or three minutes at least. And then I believe Kent was fourth there and he was five or six minutes behind. Hunter, Isaiah, nor Lucas from Germany attended the New York City event so it was basically Kent and everyone else so the men's field wasn't very 
stacked at New York City because they're just it was basically Kent, uh, Cole Schwartz, I believe, showed up, Alexander Nicholas, and not too many others. Whereas Miami was pretty pretty stacked in the initial go. You know, everybody was excited about it. And then of course Everybody and their brother thought they were going to break the record. It was going to be so easy, and they were going to take the money home. And um, obviously, that didn't happen. Hunter, Hunter got within I think a minute and a half, but he was still quite a bit off. But at that event, you had Hunter, Kent, Bracken, Isaiah, Lucas, the you know guy from Germany who I think is the uh, world record holder for men, which is like fifty eight thirty nine, I think, for the time. And then you had a few others, Matt Kempson there, um, some of the other top OCR guys or, you know, guys that are not necessarily top OCR guys, but, you know, they're heavily involved in the OCR world, like Jack Bauer and those guys. But um, so for the men, I I think it's going to be basically, a you know, for the Chicago, it's going to be two men up front and then everybody else is just going to be spit out the back by quite a bit. You know, it's going to be, I think it'll be a battle between Kent and Hunter through the sled push. And then I think they'll be basically neck and neck through that. And then after that, I think Hunter will pull away by quite a bit. And I suspect he'll win by over a minute uh, if I was to put money on it. You know, if I was to mortgage my house or anything, I would put Hunter by over a minute on Kent. And... That's just mainly not, you know, has nothing to do with Kent. I mean, Kent's a phenomenal athlete, and his range is probably one of the best in the in the sport of OCR in terms of, or just in, you know, general athleticism. You know, the guy could go out and throw down a good marathon time right now if he wanted to. He clearly does well from anything from the stadiums, high rocks all the way up to the to the beast. So the guys a pretty phenomenal athlete. But then, you know, you have Hunter who's on a whole different level when it comes to the anything an hour and under. It's very, very difficult to beat Hunter. He's just one of those athletes who can redline better than anybody. His anaerobic threshold is off the charts. And he still has the VO2 max that most of these guys that are much smaller than him have. But he's way stronger usually a lot faster and just has way much, you know, a lot more power than all the, re- the other athletes. So high rocks type of event that suits him well. And anybody that can go in there and out like purely outrun him on the, you know, eight by one K portions could never come close to hanging with him on the sled pulls and sled pushes and things like that. So any bit of time that anybody could make up just wouldn't be enough to overtake him when it comes to, you know, the, the the strength portions and the other elements because essentially High Rocks is not quite all out, obviously, because it's an hour for the men, for the winners, but it's pretty close and it's you're definitely redlined and you're definitely, you know, up above that 90% and, you know, over half of it's well above your lactic threshold and your muscles and everything's screaming, everything's on fire. So, uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff, Hunter's one of the best there is at that. And then, like I said, I think you know, I think it'll be a little bit of a dogfight between Kenton uh, Hunter to start through about halfway, and then I think you'll see Hunter pull away as it gets closer to the end, and you throw in more of those, 
you know, sandbag lunges and the wall balls and everything else. So <clears throat> that's my prediction there, Hunter, Kent. And then I think I think Bracken's made some big improvements. I don't know if it'll be quite enough to take third, but if he's improved the way it looks like he has on his Instagram and social media, then I would definitely put him up there in the running because one is his overall all athleticism is probably one of the best in the sports. I mean, you know, Bracken's one of those guys. He can dunk a basketball. He ran a sub five mile, literally dribbling a basketball. You know, a few months back. So, when it comes to all around athleticism, he might actually be the best in the in OCR that I know of. That's you know anybody that is one of the top athletes. So, he's definitely going to be up there. You know, I expect that Cole Schwartz and uh, Alexander Nicholas has improved quite a bit. So I would expect them up there, you know, in that top five. I didn't see Isaiah on the list, so I don't know if he's going to be there. If he is, he's obviously always going to be a top five threat for those types of events. And then beyond that, I don't see – there's not a lot of other big top-name guys – I have 13 athletes total going. I think it's split up seven women and six guys right now. So I definitely have a couple of guys that will be in the pro heat that will definitely do well. Um, and I think a couple of them actually could sneak into the top 10 for sure if they you know, uh, perform like I know they can. And you know, Chris Balvin would be one of those. Uh, Jeremiah Mayhem would be one. Jeremiah is a guy who he's actually done, I think, both Miami and uh, New York both, and he's, and he's done pretty well, but he has a lot more potential. So we've been working pretty hard on that the last several weeks, and I think he'll do well there too. <coughs> so that's my prediction for the men. And then for women, I'm actually really, really excited for the women, and I'm actually going to fly out there on Friday, and I'm going to be at the event this time, thankfully. And the women will be pretty epic, I believe. I mean, you've got a big, big field right now from what I hear. And looking at the list and stuff, there's some pretty big names on there. I know, obviously, my girls is going to be doing it. Um, you know, Alyssa Hawley, Morgan Schultz, Callie Schweikert, they went one, two, three at New York. And then I have a couple other girls that's doing this one, uh, Sarah Paladin and Michelle Aiken um, in the pro heat, and they should do really well. You know, with this event, they're they're pretty good at the stadiums and some of the shorter distance stuff. So I expect them to do really well. But then, you know, that's just my girls. But Faye Stenning's coming in, uh, Rose Wetzel, from what I hear. Rumor is Corinna will be there, Corinna Coffin, uh, Rebecca Hammond's going to be there. I, I saw the list today. She's definitely on the list, and she's been announcing it, saying she's going to be there. A few weeks back, I'd seen Alexander Walker and posted she was going, but then I didn't see her on the list, so I'm not sure. But these are just some names that you know I've heard so far, and... I definitely think it'll be, I mean, it'll be a fast race in terms right out the gun because with Rebecca and Faye in it, 
they're going to just take it out super fast on the run. And it wouldn't surprise me, you know, that they would go sub 330 in that first 1K. And then, of course, you know, some of these sled pushes and things like that will slow them down a little bit. Even the, uh, you know, the ski erg and the, the rower will slow them down just because for stuff like that, size matters. And the more size you have and the more weight you have to put behind those movements, the faster you can go, which is why, you know, all the world records in terms of fastest times for the skier or for the rower are always by bigger athletes or for the assault bike, anything like that. And that's why you see CrossFitters, you know, crush it so hard, you know, and do so well in those types of uh, methods and modalities of uh, training. So I, it would be hard to really call, honestly, in terms of the women. Alyssa's a big-time workhorse. I know, I know what training she's been doing. I know what training – Morgan and Callie's been doing because obviously I program it for them and they're all <clears throat> really phenomenal athletes. So I definitely think that, you know, all three of them will be right up there in the top five again. And then, you know, obviously New York um, didn't have quite as much competition, but I suspect all three of them will st- still be up there in the top five. And then it'll just be interesting to see how Faye and uh, Morgan do in terms, I mean, Faye and, uh, Rebecca do in terms of, can they put up enough speed, you know, in the run? And then can they gap the other girls enough that when the other girls come in and play into their strengths, the sled pushes, the sled pulls where athletes like Alyssa and stuff kill it. And Lauren Weeks, who Lauren got second in Miami, I believe she's a CrossFit type girl. She, came into she was quite a bit behind Faye coming into the wall ball station at Miami and then literally did the wall balls in I think less than four minutes whereas it took Faye like seven or eight so uh for Rebecca and Faye to have a a shot I think they have to really put on a lot of time on the runs and then just get through the strength stations without a whole lot of damage and that that I think will definitely um put them up there as well so you've got any one of probably six, seven girls that could go number one for sure, but then you have probably 10, 12 different girls that can be in the top three. Um, there's no guarantee at all. So it'll be interesting. So um, that's kind of my prediction for the women. And it's just going to be exciting to watch because it's a whole different type of event and you know, I, I obviously followed the other two very closely because I had athletes doing it, but I wasn't there. And I'm excited to get there and watch it. And I might actually jump in an open heat myself and run it just to, you know, not all out, but just run it to get a feel for everything so that I can use it to better coach my athletes. Um, so now in terms of how to train for it, it's one of those events that... <clears throat> Clearly, you need strength. Clearly, you need speed and endurance. But what you have to really work on is the blending of learning how to train through basically blood shunting and learning how to recover 
on the fly, so to speak. That's that's kind of a term I always use, recover on the fly <clears throat> through OCR type training or CrossFit type training where you move from one completely different uh, modality or you know means of exercise movement into something completely on the other end of the spectrum and you're taking you know you're, you're having to like take blood from you know the the blood you get more blood into let's say the lower body if you're doing lower body type exercises and then all of a sudden you jump right into upper body you have to like push that blood back to different parts of the body and it's very hard for athletes to do that they don't train in those zones and in those back and forth riding the line type training where you know you're operating at well above your lactic threshold and then you bring it back down and try to recover without you know doing too much damage and not recovering too much and it's these events that i think really favor those athletes that come from you know the the more ball sport type uh explosive type training so obviously your crossfitters are going to be good at something like a high rocks assuming they've got a decent aerobic engine too because you do need that because it is an hour long for the men and it's you know an hour to you know i think the women's uh, world record is an hour and five minutes so <clears throat> it's anywhere from an hour and five to an hour and 15 minutes for the women for the top women so you have to be able to obviously output for quite a bit of time and that's obviously where your endurance side comes in and your aerobic engine comes in but at the same time you have to be able to perform and do strength type movements under extreme fatigue when you're already in your lactic over your lactic threshold most likely already up at your anaerobic threshold and getting up near max heart rate so that's a big factor in this and that's why a traditional runner and stuff even with ocr you know that's why traditional runners struggle so much in a spartan race until they train exclusively for an ocr event because they just are not very good at breaking up that running they're used to just getting in a groove and staying there for fairly long periods of time whereas it's a lot different running a six minute mile when you're just doing a six minute mile and you're doing it for three, four, five, six miles, whatever. <clears throat> but then having to do it where you're running a six-minute mile, and then all of a sudden you're doing burpees in between, or <clears throat> you're dragging a sled, or anything like that. So it's just something that you know requires all-around athleticism because a traditional runner would just get rocked in you know these types of events for the most part if they're not putting in any any you know, focus on strength and working on the, you know, managing the blood shunting and, and everything else and balancing that, you know, I guess the dark side type training, the pain cave type training where you're pushing well above threshold and then backing off a little bit and then pushing well above threshold and then backing off. And the more you do events like this, the, the more you understand where you can kind of recover and then where you can push based on your strengths and weaknesses. So for instance, you know, I try to tell my athletes play to your strengths and then mitigate the damage on your weaknesses. So if you know 
that you're a really exceptional runner compared to maybe the rest of the competition in the field, then put forth some effort on the running and then, you know, do damage control and everything else because a lot of good runners, for instance, would be able to recover on the run because chances are the running required to do well in high rocks is quite a bit slower than their real all-out running pace. So for, say, you know, a 5K or something like that. So if you're a great runner, then you can take advantage of that. But then at the same time, you have to at least do enough training and enough strength work in your training to manage and, you know, not lose too much time on things like the sled pull, sled push. And you see that a lot with these athletes. Like Faye lost so much time on some of like the sled stuff. She lost a ton of time on the wall balls, even though she was legit running her 1K splits like a minute faster than uh, Lauren, who ended up getting second. So, you know, Faye was averaging around 330, 345, I think, something like that, something crazy like that, sub four minute pace for her 1K runs. And Lauren was up more 430 plus, closer to five in some of her uh, runs. And she still came back and beat Faye because she crushed a lot of those other events by a couple more minutes over her face. So all of a sudden, she started eating into that time, chipping into it a little bit at a time. And, you know, that's all it takes in an event like this. So <clears throat> I think the important thing is to really try your best to start working on becoming a well-rounded athlete all altogether if you're going to continue wanting to participate and do well in these events because – what I think a lot of people is going to use them for is just kind of training and just something exciting because it's new to break up the season for OCR. And that's fine. I mean, because <clears throat> a lot of the training that you would do for high rocks would transition well to OCR. But if you're really, really focused on wanting to be one of the better athletes in this, these events, you know, high rocks and eventually DECA fit, then I think you're going to have to learn to specialize a bit more. And, of course, you can still be, you know, throw the variety in and do other races and do other OCR events. But these events are nothing like the rest of OCR and just the simple fact that it's not just a lot of running, but it's a lot of running and so many movements in between. I mean, you're looking at an event that's confined to a small area. You're running 1K repeats, essentially, and then doing eight other stations of various exercise movements. <clears throat> Whereas with Spartan, you're mainly just running, and then, of course, you'll do some obstacles, but they're they're more climbing and <clears throat> grip strength type stuff. They're not really the stuff that will tax the shit out of you, and they sure as hell don't take several minutes to complete for even top-level athletes. Um, for instance, you know, you look at an obstacle that probably the obstacle that takes the most time for an athlete in Spartan would probably be the bucket carry. And depending on how long it is, you know, the top athletes might do it in three, four minutes, you know, and that's the longest thing in OCR. Some of these athletes are taking five, six, and, and I'm talking top athletes like Ryan Ken, I think took five minutes to do wall balls at the first event in Miami and then he improved and he was still right at like high three minutes or four minutes for the wall balls in New York City so you can only take off so much time for stuff like that and it's still going to be compounded I mean 
no one's probably ever going to break three minutes, for instance, in the wall balls. So you have to expect that you're going to at least always have that element. So you can only improve running so much too. And then it's a matter of trying to get very, very efficient at a lot of these other obstacles or stations rather in high rocks that it gives you the best likelihood to to blend it all together and pair it all together because it's literally trying to take a little bit of time off of your competitor while they put a little bit more on you in a different you know movement or a different exercise and unlike OCR where you can rely on people failing obstacles and missing a spear throw to get you back in the game in high rocks you pretty much you either can do it in a certain amount of time or you just can't you know you're not going to be able to do your 1k runs faster than what you can do them in training or you're not going to be able to make up any ground on somebody on the run if they're substantially faster than you so you would have to obviously try to make that up elsewhere and this is where getting very efficient and practicing things like the sled and the walking lunges the burpee broad jumps and the wall balls in my opinion are the four things that probably matter the most because and the farmers carry because you can only get so fast on the rower. <clears throat> you can only get so fast on the ski erg. And if you look at the, you know, let's say there's 15 girls in the pro heat. The difference between the top girl and the last place girl in, say, the ski erg or the row might only be 15, 20 seconds. It's not, a, it's not huge. However, you'll see disparities as much as four or five minutes between the sled pushes, the wall balls, and the burpee broad jumps or, or walking lunges. So you can make up a ton of time right there in, in those types of movements just by getting very efficient at them. And those are movements that you have to do a lot of to get efficient at them. You know, if you're not doing burpee broad jumps regularly at least a couple times a week or doing weighted walking lunges a couple times a week, it's really, really tough to go out there in an event and just all of a sudden perform and hit a home run. So you have to be able to do it in training in order to be able to do it in the event itself. So, you know, my athletes have been doing a lot of that in training where we'll make <coughs> high rock simulation workouts and most of their <coughs> quality workouts for the week have some sort of one of these four elements. Any you know, it might have wall balls, it might have walking lunges, burpee broad jumps. Some of them have all three, all four of those movements in a single workout. But another thing I've been having my athletes do is at the end of their easy days, so like their easy aerobic days where they go into their math zones and they just operate at like a you know heart rate of 60%, you know, of their max, and they're going really easy. At the end of that, they'll do something like a hundred wall balls with the high rocks competition weight for time, you know, so maybe they did an hour easy aerobic run and then they go in and they blast out a hundred wall balls for time. So it's not overly taxing and they can tack it on to the end of an easy day. So it's not taking too much out of them, but it gives them a bit more time under tension gives them a little bit more, uh, focus and, you know, um, time to work on work capacity 
so they're able to to see it more and get better with the movements and fluidity because wall ball is a lot of it. I mean, obviously it takes you know a lot of muscle endurance and everything, but a lot of it's technique and fluidity. So timing the ball, when to catch it, when to catch the med ball, you know, when to push. Also, breathing techniques for it are very important. So you gotta get very good at timing that stuff, and <clears throat> that's why I have them practice stuff like that so much. Same with walking lunges. You know, learning how to the right stride, the perfect like step length for you, for your height, for your weight and everything else. And, you know, how you have the uh, weight balance on your shoulders and stuff. You just have to get very comfortable with that so that you're not staggering or taking sloppy steps and wasting movements, wasting energy, wasting time, things like that. And then, of course, we do a lot of farmer carry work just because. You want to try to go completely unbroken for that 200-meter farmer's carry. Um, otherwise, you lose a lot of time. <clears throat> if you have to set them down and someone else doesn't, you're probably losing 20 seconds right there or better. So just little things like that, little tricks. And I think the more that people do these events, the more comfortable they'll get, the better they'll get. And that's actually why I think you know the girls that's already done it, and the guys that's already done it will have a huge advantage over those that haven't yet. You know, for instance, Faye's done at least one. You know, Alyssa, Morgan, Callie, they've all done at least one. And someone like a Rebecca or Alex Walker, if she comes, they haven't done one yet. So simply not knowing what you're getting into makes it that much tougher because you don't know how to pace yourself. You haven't been there before. And it's very, very it's 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 a very difficult event to just go in and wing it and hope for the best because it, it's completely fresh. You know, you you have no idea how to pace. Like, you know, once you do a few Spartan races and stuff for the most part, not only do you know how to pace for the event, but you kind of have a good idea of your competition from having raced them a few times and you know where you stack up and you kind of know <clears throat> what group you should be in, so to speak. Whereas in this, you have no clue. I mean, some of these top CrossFitters can show up and could just completely blast blast you, and you would you know you wouldn't know, but you'd look at them. And of course, a typical OCR athlete might look at a CrossFitter and go, ah, you know, this girl's not going to do well. She's you know way too big, way too muscular, or whatever. Um, and on the flip side of that, I'm sure a CrossFitter could look at a skinny little runner like, you know, Faye or Rebecca and be like, yeah, this girl's never going to come close to me. But there's enough balance between the running and the strength that, and the other movements that, you know, it plays into either one of them's hands. You can have two athletes, it's almost on the opposite ends of the spectrum, end up finishing, you know, neck and neck. So, um, I'll be doing a lot of, live feeds and some posts when I'm there, of course. Uh, I get there Friday afternoon, so I'll have all day. Friday, I plan to go check out the venue. And then, of course, on Saturday, I'll be there supporting my athletes, cheering everybody on. And I'll be doing live updates and live feeds. So if you're interested in checking it out, head over to my Instagram. I'll be doing some um, live feeds there and keep everybody in the loop, try to get some good coverage. And that's pretty much it. So, High Rocks, Chicago, you got my predictions, and you got a little bit of advice and con content on 
how I think is the best way to train for it. Forgive me for tonight. I kind of got like a, I guess a chest cold or whatever. My I basically just lost my voice. So <clears throat> the uh, quality of the sound may be awful tonight because I got a scratchy chest and throat. But um, so yeah, so that's it. And if if you're interested in training for something like a high rocks event or any event for that matter, OCR marathon running, um, reach out to the endurance project, reach out to me. You know, I've got experience, obviously coaching OCR high rocks people, you know, events for stadium type people, uh, marathoners, you know, I've got, got a lot of versatility in how I've coached over the years, but more importantly, I've brought on three awesome, uh, I don't want to say assistant coaches. I hate the word assistant coach because, um, I've been an assistant coach and, you know, most assistant coaches do as much or more and are just as knowledgeable and valuable as the head coach. So I hate using the word assistant, but I brought in three co-coaches to help me out in the group and in the endurance project to grow the endurance project. And that's Callie Schweikart, Morgan Schultz, and Alyssa Hawley. And they're all coaches in their own right already. They've got their own businesses they've got their own clients and they all come from a pretty diverse background uh you know all three of them were d1 college athletes in three completely different sports Uh, Alyssa was a d1 softball player morgan was a middle distance runner at the university of illinois and then callie was a uh, d1 soccer goalie so three completely different sports and then they all come together now, and they compete pretty much head-to-head in OCR and High Rock. So it just goes to show you how being a great athlete usually has a lot of carryover in sports like High Rocks and OCR. So if you're interested in, one, if, you, if, you, if you've been interested in the Endurance Project and you know working with me, but maybe you're a female and maybe you'd be more comfortable with another female athlete or... You know, maybe I'm a little too abrasive and a little bit too rough around the edges because I know I can be. Maybe, maybe you want to reach out to one of them. So, like I said, you can go over to the My Endurance Project page on Instagram, you know, my Facebook, whatever, and you can find them through there. Or you can go to their individual Instagram or Facebook pages and find uh, their information or reach out to them, message them. Anyways, that's pretty much it. So, uh, have a good evening and I hope to hear from you guys on the coaching side of things. And like I said, if you guys have any questions or if there's any other content you want me to speak about in the future and discuss, then please go ahead and send me messages or just let me know what you'd like for me to discuss. And my plan is to start bringing in other athletes and coaches as well. I'll probably bring in the three girls I just mentioned, the coaches. We'll probably do a little coaches corner. Um, at least once a month and discuss some things. So that's what we got on the table so far going into you know 2020 for the month of January and lots of big stuff to come too. So talk to you guys later. Uh, have a good one. Peace out.